1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. If you love the games, we are the show for you. Each week, we share stories from athletes and people behind the scenes to help you have more fun watching the games. I am your host, Jill Jaris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you?
0: I stayed up too late preparing for the show today, <laughs> which actually gets us totally into the mindset of where we're going to be doing daily shows.
1: (laughs) Right, right. We are getting close to one year to go to Paris, which means Allison and I need to start exercising those daily show muscles. Getting to talk about that. So as we are about halfway through our year of Seoul 1988, we wanted to take a look at the full opening ceremonies and see how it was and how it compares to more recent games and what is planned for Paris. Let me put the music on here. Get us in the mood.
0: And speaking of music, we have talked about the song. We have talked about the Baked Pigeon flambé. (laughs)
1: <laughs> which I'm not convinced. I think that's a media thing. I mean, I, I think maybe one or two pigeons got, or doves got a little toasted in that cauldron, but I'm not sure like most of them went up in flames.
0: Right. So we have touched on a few things of the opening ceremony, but we're going full hog as if we're seeing this for the first time. And I have to say there were huge sections of it I did not remember. Oh, so gosh. felt like it was seeing it for the first time. And I did not know you could have so many different people forming different formations on a field for that long. (laughs) (laughs) This was a very low-tech ceremony. You know, this is just on the field with the track. This was before they did the floors. This is before they had fireworks. It was during the day.
1: Well, I did some research on that. You know why it was during the day? So it could be on in the US in primetime on Friday night. So this ceremony was on Saturday morning at like 10.30. And that made it very odd. And since then, I, I didn't get too much into the research, but I did find that, oh, it so was could be on Friday night in the U.S. And competition started like two hours after the opening ceremonies was over. So we've talked about athletes who have skipped the opening ceremonies because they competed the next day. Well, these <laughs> you can't go from opening ceremonies and standing out in the baking sun probably in a black outfit because half of the countries chose to dress their athletes in dark clothing and then go straight to a, a competition. It's just not feasible. So yeah, AM ceremony. It was, that was really,
0: really odd. So you've got no lighting effects, no sparkling, right. no such evening things. There was no evening wear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: But oddly enough, when you think about what is
0: going to happen at Paris 2024, there was a whole river parade. Yeah. So just like they do now, this probably was one of the first. They had sort of an intro movie with a river parade. So it made sense. And people singing on the river, which was a little odd.
1: Right. Well, they were all performers. All the performers were coming in on boats throughout the river.
0: Hidori, the mascot, was water skiing.
1: Yes. I like felt really skin.
0: bad for him because all I kept thinking was, if that guy goes down, he is going to sink like a log in that costume. <laughs> Did we lose any Hadoris to the river?
1: Because
0: <laughs> later we had 475 Hadoris coming out and that was terrifying as well.
1: You know, it was in the Hadori costume and also very terrifying. So we start with this. River parade. They go to the stadium, and that's when we get the drumming.
0: You know I love a good drum section, and it was I. It looked like it was all women, or mostly mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. And not only did they drum, they were drumming backwards. They were drumming not looking, like they would right. be drumming sideways but looking forward. I'm like these girls got skills. They
1: did. It was amazing to watch and kind of emblematic of what we would see a little bit later at beijing 2008 but you know this is the first opening ceremony in asia for summer games since tokyo 1964 so it's going to be very different and have a very different feel than the last few ceremonies which have been in like north america and in europe it really started off with getting that asian feel to it and the drumming was just tremendous i have to say that
0: And lots of 80s makeup, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I did not remember how many colors of eyeshadow, lipstick, and blush you could put in (laughs) streaks on one's face. (laughs) Loved it.
1: The hours we lost doing that.
0: (laughs) And to perms. Mm -hmm. A lot of perms.
1: Great. So there's a lot of dancing on the, the field. Dancers eventually form an 88. So it's funny to watch all these formations because we are in the time. now today it would be all projection mapping.
0: Right. Like I said, it was very low tech and they managed to make flowers and different symbols and different words and words in English and words in Korean. And it was fun up to a point. Once we hit like hour three of this, I'm saying (laughs) I have seen enough formations. This is like one of those marching band competitions. If you're like a marching band parent and you have to go and watch the competitions and it just goes on for hours and you're saying to yourself, how many formations can I make with human bodies?
1: Well, I was surprised that I thought it was just going to be the beginning. And I wondered, well, where are all these Extra performers that are coming in that were on the river parade,
0: Here and then we come. found out they,
1: they came at the end too. But parade of nations, wow! There were some themes in clothing.
0: There were some themes. I have four themes.
1: Okay. Okay. Let's so my we're four think.
0: themes, my four themes was where you had the traditional costume. Mm-hmm. You know, Swaziland, Lesotho. They included some of those. You had the track suit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you had the smooth criminal. which Bulgaria was the best example of this. (laughs) It's the sort of loose, double-breasted suit with fedora, right? And then my final one was high school principal. And that's sort of the midi skirt with oversized sweater and white pumps.
1: Yes, I felt bad for everybody who was stuck in a sweater. A lot of sweaters. I forgot what that boxy blazer looked like. Especially some of somebody had it like I might have been Switzerland who had a really pronounced shoulder pad in those boxy blazers, those boxy double breasted blazers. Lots of black and khaki and cream and white. And, you know, you're in the middle of the day and it's September, so it's still going to be pretty warm, I'm guessing. And these poor athletes and officials are standing out there in like dark suits with some very boring
0: stuff. Lots of oversized cardigans. Mm-hmm. The U.S. had these sort. Of, the women had these light blue cardigans and white skirts, and it was, oh dear, what sort of Mormon convention was happening there? <laughs> it was not good. But I do have sort of an honorary mention for another category of which there was only two. Okay, Norway and Canada, apparently, are ice cream salesmen. <laughs> red bow ties with these sort of white shirts and these odd little caps. And then
1: Canada had frisbees, which they decided to start throwing out into the audience.
0: Did somebody lose an eye because of a Canadian <laughs> frisbee? That's what I really want to know.
1: I one more category I would add. Oh, along with your native dress. Best examples were Mongolia.
0: Yes, capes or... and speedos.
1: Yes. That was incredible. And before Peter Tafua, there was a woman flag bearer at Seoul 1988 who was also slicked up. I mean, she had a full-on native costume that had like a coconut kind of belt, but her top was covered. But boy, her shoulders were all oiled up.
0: Did you also... The other element of the smooth criminal that I forgot, USSR with red (laughs) fingerless gloves.
1: (laughs) I was just gonna say i hope you're saying the red fingerless gloves and so fingerless they didn't even have like finger holes the whole yes. hand just went in
0: i was thinking what in the material girl early madonna situation was happening in the soviet union at that time
1: <laughs> the other color i thought was very unfortunate was the prominence of gold yellowish goldish golden rod australia got st- the women got stuck in these all gold dresses with big long jackets on. It was not pretty.
0: I think you're being kind calling them gold because my note on it in Australia is these poor women look like mustard jars.
1: They did look like mustard jars. One other sighting, did you notice that with Thailand,
0: Miss <laughs> Miss Universe... Universe! Yes, I have her name written down. Yeah, so Miss Universe 1988 was from Thailand. And... Early on, she was spotted in the stands, but then she marched with the full crown in the parade. Her name was Porntip Tip Nak Hirun That was my best attempt, and I apologize because I'm sure I got it wrong. But yes, and interestingly enough, in the 1988 Miss Universe pageant, Miss Korea was the first runner-up. So Miss Universe from Thailand took her life in her hands marching through Korea because you know, someone could have just taken that crown and said, No, it is ours.
1: Well, she did bring a lot of sparkle to the brown
0: uniforms of Thailand. I will say that. And she had the wave down. She knew what she was doing when she was waving. Any other parade of nations? No, I just thought it was very odd that they then said, athletes march out. It's the only time I've ever seen that. So they put them on the field and then they sent them away and it was kind of like we're done with you. Go away.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting because the athletes did come on the field. There was a lot of backup. It really felt like when you were watching, they wanted to announce the countries as quickly as possible. And they got kind of bunched up and it was hard to tell who was who at some times. And then with the replay, I'm grateful that the replays exist, but there's no commentary. So there's not much else to go on. So the athletes are on the field for the opening remarks from the organizing committee from Juan Antonio Samaranch and the president opening the games and they bring out the flag, Uh, then it's time for the
0: torch to come in.
1: And I got to say, those opening remarks were short.
0: Very short. Because they needed more time for more formations on the field.
1: (laughs) Torchbearers, did you know this story about the first guy who came out? Yes.
0: In the research, I've come across it
1: great story the first person out into the stadium is song ki-chung who was gold medalist in 1936 for the marathon and in 1936 japan was occupying korea at the time and they forced all the athletes to compete under the japanese flag and when he won and they played the japanese anthem he bowed his head and refused to acknowledge it and told reporters he was ashamed he had to run for japan so for him to get to run in the opening ceremony with the torch under the Korean flag, big deal. He was a big man. And it Thank seemed you.
0: it seemed like the crowd understood in the yes. way that they responded to when his name was announced, which is amazing. And then we yes. have the bird fry.
1: Yes. And then we have the bird fry because they passed the torch off to Lim chun A, And I believe from what I understood, she was... At the Pan Asian games, because she is not showing up in Olympedia, where we get our we get a lot of our athlete information. Then she passes it to three igniters who represent sport academics and artistic endeavors. And those were Chung Sung Man, Kim Won Tok, and sung Mi Chu. They are on this platform, and it's like an elevator platform that rises up to the cauldron, which is on a big stick in the stadium. Not above the stadium yet, but that's where all the birds are resting (laughs) and they ignite the torch. They ignite the birds.
0: And when we did the soul moment, talking about, you know, specifically talking about the cauldron, those torches were very smoky. So I Mm -hmm. guess it's whatever fuel that they were burning was extremely smoky. And most of the birds got the hint to get out of the way. But then some of them came back. I guess the cauldron was very comfy. But I think it was only the birds on the far side of the cauldron cuz even after the cauldron was lit, you saw some birds flying away. But on the back side of the cauldron away from the camera, it did look like we had a little bit of a flambé, dove. But not too many. No, I hope
1: not. But I think that was something that you saw it and went, "Oh," and then quick cutaway. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Then we finish up with all of our oaths, and the athletes march out and we are back to the show. And first up, we have parachuting into the stadium.
0: I was so concerned about those because there was a lot. I mean, Mm -hmm. there were a couple of dozen jumpers and they all had to land in the stadium and not get tangled up. And they all had additional fabric that they were carrying, so not only did they have their parachute silks, they had almost a scarf coming off of the back of the parachute. It was very beautiful and very dramatic, and I'm sure in the stadium was super cool, but that's a good way to kill a parachuter. <laughs> the other well, they thing are that pros we, it's true. The other thing that we didn't come in is there was a lot of ring formations made.
1: mm-hmm. Yes. So, so they did it in the air. Divers, yeah.
0: Right. The skydivers did it in the air. They did it on the ground. Lots of dancers did different rings. So they did the rings in many formations and ways.
1: And then we get back from modern times. We go back to traditional Korean stuff and do Hua dance. Sometimes they would show the scoreboard and the jumbotron that would announce what this was. So we know what the different segments were. Not consistent all the way throughout the show. Not surprised that it was, but this is what I could kind of make out. Beautiful costumes in this number. These traditional handbook dresses with sleeves that had very arms that draped to the floor. They're carrying beautiful streamers. A lot of formations ends up in a flower. Very nice. I thought that was a very cool one. Then it dissolves to this. I don't know what it was, but all these dancers come out with big giant masks on long poles that were animal heads or freaky heads and monsters. And I don't know what was going
0: on. And then they had big freaky heads on the stadium roof too. In balloons. And that was another big thing. There were a lot of balloons. The environmental impact of this opening ceremony was problematic. But there was a lot of very, very large balloon formations. And it's actually, it was a clever way of using these creating these very large items that could look like these giant masks coming down from the stadium in a way that wasn't too heavy or too cumbersome or too expensive. But you know what you didn't see? What? Dragons. Uh, So the director, Lee O-young specifically did not want dragons (sighs) in his opening ceremony because he wanted people in the West to understand that Korea is not China.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: The people in the media were calling him the dragon slayer because dragons still have a significant portion in a lot of Korean culture. But he said, no, Westerners are stupid. They're not going to understand the difference between China and Korea. He has a point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what the lore and the folklore is around the Freaky Heads, but I've really wanted a guidebook for that one. Because it was obviously something very important.
0: Well, I think it probably goes back to puppetry. And there's a tradition Mm -hmm. of theatrical puppetry Mm -hmm. and probably folklore. A lot of those characters were folk characters. Next up, we had a
1: Taekwondo demonstration.
0: It went on forever. It was cool in the stadium, probably. This did not fly on TV
1: well everyone was white it, it they're obviously dressed in white because that's their uniform and they did a pumse which is their form so if you remember like in when karate was at Tokyo 2020 they had the form competition called kata so pumse are taekwondo forms so they did a lot of those and then they had the board kicking so boards are flying everywhere jump the people are jumping over each other lifting people up to do like two-story kicks. I thought it was cool. I know he thought it went on forever, but it was cool.
0: And also the sound during the board kicking just sounded like screaming. And I realized it, it was just like one long, excessive scream to me. And I realized it was distinctive. You know, each person was doing whatever sound that they make when you crash a board. But this was definitely prior to We Are Designing Opening Ceremonies for Television. You can see such a difference because this must have been incredible in person. Mm -hmm. And on TV, it was just boring.
1: Okay, now we've got one of those iconic segments that everybody talked about where the lone little boy rolling a hoop comes and rolls his hoop to the center of the field, waves to
0: everybody, and then continues rolling his hoop. Because you have to have the single child in every opening ceremony. (laughs) They will not allow the Olympics to open until you have some single child doing some sporting activity and everyone can clap for him.
1: Right. It's the hope of the world right there on this poor guy.
0: And then after that kid shows up, that is when the show goes off the rails.
1: (laughs) Then we have all these other kids come up in the new sprouts segment. (laughs)
0: Little girls have the cute yellow dresses. I guess they're supposed to be flowers. Was that I, I don't
1: know, but they were the also this mustard yellow gold goldenrod, frilly dresses, boys in little blue shorts and white top kind of thing. And they do little school dances and jump rope and clap hands and stuff like that. But and pinwheels. Yes. Lots of pinwheels, lots of formations.
0: They make a and, giant pinwheel with their selves.
1: hmm When they get cleared off the field. It looks like we're going to go slay the dragon.
0: But it wasn't a dragon because there's no dragons in this show.
1: Which was a surprise to me because I could not figure out what these guys were riding. They had guys riding these giant rope snakes. I thought they were supposed to
0: be boats.
1: Oh, because they had like lots of people on either side carrying poles, right? Like you would have people row boats back in the day.
0: I thought it was supposed to be a traditional boat.
1: Could be. I don't know. It was blue versus red, and As then it should be. And then they were doing. I, I thought it was a fight, and then I thought it was going to be how the blue and red became intertwined on the flag symbol. That's what I really thought we were going for here, and that did not manifest itself in a formation.
0: It was Korean West Side Story. <laughs> And there was music that didn't have really anything to do with this boat feud and a lot of people yelling. And it was visually very impressive. But I agree. I did not understand what was happening, but it was cool. But unfortunately, we were at hour like three and a half at that point. No, 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 no. It felt like hour three and a half.
1: But you're at like hour almost three because this whole thing was only three hours and 20 minutes.
0: I was waning at that point. So I was like, sure, there are people boats coming and fighting with each other in the middle of the track field. That makes perfect sense at this point.
1: And then we switch back from the traditional to the modern with our pop music portion. It did feel so disjointed. And we have these children. Let's have the children segment. Okay, let's go back to something traditional because we had this really cool idea that somebody came up with. And then we're going to go, we got to go out with our pop music and our song that you talked about as well.
0: Corianna, hand in hand. And seeing the entire opening ceremonies, this segment was so gonzo. It just... You know, like you said, it kind of came out of nowhere. It kind of didn't really fit in with all these wonderful traditional elements. And I thought it was off the rails when I first just watched that segment when I was talking about the song. But to see it integrated in the show, <laughs> there was this fever dream of mascots. There was 100 Hidori's coming out, also accompanied by previous mascots.
1: Yes, I said, every mascot is there. And then you realized, yes, and then you realized there were only five mascots at that point total for summer games. And they all looked very sad. I mean, I don't know if these were original costumes coming out, but the Hidori costume, poor Hidori, did look a little sad.
0: He did look a bit like a dime store Tony the Tiger. (laughs) And Sam the Eagle was a little crooked. And it was.
1: And and I had to, I really had to think about Anuk the Beaver because I couldn't figure out what that
0: big brown blob was from 76. (laughs) And then they had all these people doing square dancing. Yes, it was the One World
1: segment. So they had people from around the world. Come for this segment, they had yes, American square dancers. They had another culture where they danced on stilts and women played accordions. And I don't know what all else was there, but it was kind of mind blowing that they had so many people and so many different things. And I I don't even know where to begin because I'm still back on the what is that aerobic outfit that they are having on the stage with Coriana? And there were the, these poor women in full on, like, shiny lycra spandex.
0: But they did have the let's get physical headband across the forehead.
1: Yes. And then they had that singlet under their whole leotard legging get up and they're waving pom poms all over the place, getting their cotton, their
0: permed hair. <laughs> you know, one of the things I love about opening ceremonies is when. Elements of the opening ceremony could happen only in that time and place. Like when you pull out things from the opening ceremony, you could say, oh, that's got to be from Korea. That has to be from Canada. And everything before that point was low tech. Yes. And clearly Korean. But this was so late 80s. (laughs) And. I was in a fever dream. I thought I might have eat, drink I thought I might have had a bit of bad tea. I didn't know what was happening, but I did get pepped up again after I was waning a bit on the no dragon fight going on. And well, then it's just over. That's always the worst part. And we experienced this when we were in Beijing. Even sitting live, the announcer comes on and says, you know, this is the end. And I'm like, I don't know. It didn't feel like the end. And it should have because Jane Fonda and Olivia Newton John had showed up in their leotards and sung to me with their perms. And I should have known that that was the end. But it it, it, and I think it was the lack of fireworks. Right. You
1: could hear like pops that sounded like may have been fireworks. But because it was during the day, they couldn't do anything.
0: I hope going forward that they everyone takes a page from Beijing and does shorten it up. I think this would have been much more effective if we had cut out two segments. Could
1: have been. But I wonder if it's a an element of you want your money's worth, too. And what do you... I mean, you think about a primetime show would have been three hours long. So do we have to keep our show right around then? Although Atlanta, looking at you, four hours. I mean, when YouTube was promoting the other other ones to watch, like four hours for Atlanta. That 100-year celebration ain't worth another hour of stuff, although probably. And of course, the Parade of
0: Nations does get longer after this point. Mm -hmm. You know, we've hit the maximum. There's over 11,000 athletes. Every time it's more NOCs than ever before, but it's slow. Can we figure Mm -hmm. out a way to speed that up? And apparently Paris has had because we're just throwing everybody on a boat.
1: I guess so. I'm very curious as to how long that will take and how long how they will be announced, because it'll be interesting to hear from athletes who have been to pre 2020 Olympics. And they always talk about that when you come out of the tunnel and everybody is cheering for you. Will it just be one solid state cheering for half an hour because they're going down such a long stretch of river? Or when do you get that moment? Or do you even get that moment because you're all in this together and you don't have the whole United States? Where do they announce the countries?
0: Right, and do they then get off the boat and go into the stadium? We haven't gotten the details yet as to where things are going to happen. Where are we going to have the cauldron? Where are we going to have the oaths taken? Where is the show going to be or is it going to be in multiple spots? Because now it's really produced for television and the experience of the attendee is secondary.
1: It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how much the attendee experience will differ from the viewer experience. We'll have to see. But this was a fun little walk down memory lane. Did you have a
0: 1988 perm? I did. Yes. Okay, so did I. We'll post some pictures.
1: I had my 1988 perm in probably 1989, 1990, but
0: yeah. We'll I'll post some pictures it. so you can see that our <laughs> hair would not have fit in the little hats that they clearly gave away in the swag bag that everyone's wearing. Oh boy. We'll look for those. <laughs> hey, did you
1: know that we were on the old Crime podcast?
0: I. That's the only oldish word I know.
1: This was so much fun. If you don't know Yield podcast, check it out. The regular stories are so interesting. Lindsay's voice, who is one of the co-hosts, her voice makes me feel so calm. So I will say As that. she's
0: telling you about people from the 1800s getting hung and other dastardly
1: things. <laughs> and yet you feel so calm. Yeah, exactly. So we were on their interstitial episodes which are you stumped by the cramp word which is do you know victorian slang and we talked about some olympics true crime and uh, you'll have to hear if we were stumped by the cramp word so we will have a link to that in the show notes it was again so much fun thank you so much Lindsay, for having us on the show welcome to Shukfastan. Shukla Stan has been busy. There's a bunch of world championships coming up. We've got athletes who are involved with things at the USA track and field national championships. Pole vaulter Katie Moon won her competition with a jump of 4.90 meters, which is a new world lead. And our hammer thrower Deanna Price came in second in her competition with a season's best throw of 78.18 meters. She is a little over two meters off her best ever throw of 80.31, which was at the 2021 Olympic trials. But she has been injured and has had surgeries and stuff. So seeing her come back this strong is so exciting. Both women have qualified for world championships in Budapest on August 19th through 27th. So go shoklastan.
0: Beach volleyball players Kelly Chang and Sarah Hughes took second place at the Beach Pro Tour Elite 16 in Gstaad, Switzerland. This is their second medal of the season. And I believe their first giant cowbell win. (laughs) Did you see the
1: giant cowbells they got?
0: I did. And these are all qualifiers. These all points add up.
1: They are doing very well in the points so far for qualifying for Paris. Jeff Whiteman's son, Jake Whiteman, who he coaches. Jake is out of worlds due to a sprained midfoot that he thought would be better by now, but it keeps setting him back. So sadly, he will not be able to defend his 1500 meter title this
0: year. Sailors Maggie Shea and Stephanie Robel are competing in the Olympic test event in Marseille this week. They won the first day of competition and currently stand in third. Yay. And then Shulkistan adjacent, we have news
1: on the Castor-Semenya case. The European Court of Human Rights found that Castor-Semenya's appeal against the Swiss government was not heard properly, so they ruled in her favor for that bit it opens the way for the swiss supreme court to re- reconsider its decision and that might result in the case going back to the court of arbitration for sport and only then might the highly controversial ruling inform and once it goes back to cas then we might start seeing where world athletics judgments could be removed. This is they have stipulated testosterone levels for women's races. This is a step in the right direction for Castor Semenya, but nothing really actionable happens from it, from a competition point of view, because her case wasn't against world athletics. They are maintaining the rules on differences in sex development and the testosterone levels they say that women need to have for
0: competing in those races. And this affects several other athletes going into Paris. So this could get very complicated. A
1: little bit of news from Tokyo 2020. We have former Olympic officials admitting to bid rigging. And the problem here, lots of controversy and scandal coming back from Tokyo's bid and also how they organized the games a little bit. So companies that won the bids to run test events were just given contracts to run the competitions during the Olympics. And the organizing committee and people involved with this, they were supposed to have a bid process to run the test events, a bid process to run the games. They didn't put that bid process in for the games competitions because they said it was too expensive and time consuming, which in one sense I totally get. But in the other sense, you needed to have a tender and a a contract for both the test events and the games at once to make that fair.
0: And Milan Cortina is running into a similar problem. They've got new tenders coming out for the biathlon event, the biathlon venue, because the first time around might not have been so much on the up and up. So, gee, shocking, we've got corruption.
1: So not great news, but wanted to let you know if you have seen something in the news lately. That's what we got going on there.
0: There's been a lot of discussion in different Facebook groups that we're on about, I haven't gotten tickets. What can I see? What can I see for free? What's going to be hanging out in the city? And we're starting to get some information about that. With the marathon routes and now the routes for road cycling.
1: Yes. So the cycling routes for road and time trial were revealed. And the time trial is going to be on the same route for men and women for the first time at an Olympics. That is really cool. It will be starting at the Esplanade de Invalides passes through the Saint-Germain-de-Prix district and the Bastille before it cuts through the Vincennes woods and ends on the alexander Troisième bridge. That's a big bridge for watching stuff, I will say. Just go and hang out at that bridge. For two weeks. weeks. Just set up
0: a (laughs) tent. (laughs) on the, on the the bridge and you'll see a lot, (laughs) but that's true. There is going to be a good amount just in the city. So if you didn't get tickets for every day, you're going to be there. Number one, there's plenty of time. We're going to talk about that next week. And two, there will be things that you can go to without tickets. Exactly.
1: And Road Cycling Race is another one that takes place on August 3rd for the men and the August 4th for the women. will start and finish at the Trocadero site opposite the Eiffel Tower. You will have ample opportunity to line up and watch the men because they are... Cycling 273 kilometers, which is 169.3 miles. The women are doing 158 kilometers, which is 98 miles. They're going through the Chevros Valley and climbing up in the Montmartre district on its way back to the Trocadero. So lots of cycling will be at play for that and will be free to watch. There may be, I wouldn't be surprised if there are tickets set up for the finish line. And having a few bleacher areas there, but plenty of opportunity to watch some the cyclists come through for free. Did you see that a kit has been released? Italy put its kit out so early, so early.
0: Armani needs to recoup its expenses here.
1: So Armani did design the kit. It is an Armani blue, so it's very deep, navy-ish. Blue, the sweatshirt and track jacket type things have Italia in large letters across with a W on the T of Italia. I guess the W Italia theme is is a thing in Italy. The national anthem is literally woven into the clothing. So the polos and t-shirts have the opening of the italian anthem in them and the jackets had the first verse printed inside so if you
0: got bored at an event you can just read your jacket
1: <laughs> but they look pretty chic and uh, something that you would expect from italy so i'm i'm excited about them i'm excited to see kit we were talking on the facebook group about the Anok beach games being canceled and that's a last-minute cancellation for these games that means many athletes will not get to go and participate like they thought they would. That didn't have a ton of impact on Paris qualifying situations, but this one does. Hong Kong has pulled out of hosting an official qualifying tournament for 3x3 basketball, citing costs. And it was going to cost them 2.55 million U.S. dollars to put this tournament on. They couldn't find a sponsor because they say in in Hong Kong, finding sponsorship post-COVID has been hard to get. FIBA has said that Hong Kong is lagging behind in the sports development and was hoping that this tournament would help promote the sport. Sounds like other cities are interested in stepping in and hosting, but we shall see what happens here. Also. Airbnb is giving somebody a chance to stay at Pierre de Coubertin's home, Chateau
0: de Mirville. This is like staying in Cinderella's Castle at Disney World. This is very <laughs> cool.
1: <laughs> this is, But it's funny because booking opens on July 18th at 6 p.m. Central European time. You may request for a one-night stay for two guests that will happen on July 26, 2023. So my guest. From what I'm getting from this announcement is that two people will get to stay. The house will be open to you for one night on the one year to go. And that's the shtick. You will get to sleep in the room that was originally Coubertown's private study. You will be given the opportunity to play tennis with French tennis player Caroline Garcia on the grounds of where the, one of the first games of lawn tennis was supposedly played in France. You will get a private tour of the estate given to you by your host, who is Pierre de Coubertin's great grandnephew, Jacques. You will take a punt on the lake where Coubertin developed his love of rowing, followed by a picnic of French delicacies on a specially constructed floating pontoon, which I just, you know, if this we were sounds there, amazing. That's- <laughs> But let's be honest, if you and I were on that floating pontoon, we would soon be in the lake or our delicacies would be in the lake.
0: <laughs> you know but as long, right. as, as long as as long we're not wearing the Hidori costume, then we're not going down. <laughs> we, we can swim.
1: You will be immersed into the origins of the Olympics, including exclusive access to the historic memorabilia, such as his uh, Coubertown's 1892 Olympic Manifesto the document that shows the rings as he sketched them for the very first time, and an original ticket from France's first games in 1900. As well as you will receive a selection of items from the very latest IOC Olympic collection named in honor of Pierre de Coubertin.
0: As long as we're not immersed in the lake, I'm all for it. I would be
1: all for this too, but it really... it. And you have to agree that there there might be media attention during your stay. So you, if you are the people who get to stay there, you have to agree to be covered by the media as well. Yeah, I I don't know what this is beyond the you can applications kind of open up for the guest. I don't know if they're how they are choosing the lucky winners, or even if they're calling them winners because you do have to pay. You're paying twenty four euros for the night,
0: but that's not a bad deal. That wouldn't pay for my French delicacies. (laughs) That's amazing. If you apply, let
1: us know. Because we would love to hear what this is all about. That's for sure. And that will do it for this week. Let us know your favorite memories from Seoul. Or if you are walking hand in hand, like Coriana wants us to do.
0: You can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at flamealivepod. Email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com. You can call or text us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAME-IT. Be sure to join the Keep the Flame Alive podcast group on Facebook. And don't forget to get our weekly newsletter filled with other fun stories about this week's episodes. You can sign up for that at flamealivepod.com.
1: Hey, and if you don't subscribe to that newsletter, you will want to because Allison puts together some amazing stories that are extra Olympic tidbits and are newsletter only. So sure, be sure to sign up for that. A uh, special thank you to our intern, Anna Lee Dable for doing research for this episode. Join us again next week for more stories and news from the world of the Olympics and Paralympics. Thank you so much for listening. And until
0: next time, keep the flame alive.